are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday, November 27th edition of Locked On Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. And I am eager to deep dive into game planning the New York Jets the second time around this season. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and ready to get back on the horse. The Miami Dolphins, for the first time in about two months, they hurt us on Sunday, this past Sunday. Seven-point loss to the Denver Broncos. But we are now moving forward. We are looking at the showdown with the New York Jets. And I think one of the most interesting things about this matchup specifically this season, this is the first rematch that we have for the Dolphins against a divisional opponent in 2020. But even though these teams played just six weeks ago, this is going to be a notably different game to play. And the reason being is both teams, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins, uh, they've seen players added back to the roster from injury. They've seen players lost to injury. But both teams are going to have new starting quarterbacks versus what this was the first time. The first time these two teams played, of course, Tua Tagovailoa got his first taste of NFL action, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was the Dolphins' starting quarterback, and he played 58 minutes of the football game. Joe Flacco was the starting quarterback for the New York Jets as Sam Darnold worked through a throwing shoulder injury. Well, Sam Darnold is expected to be back, barring any unforeseen setbacks between now and Sunday. Uh, He was a full participant at yesterday's practice for the New York Jets. So it's game on. Sam Darnold's back. I think that will change some of the dynamics of this game. Um, But I don't necessarily know if it's a bad thing for the Dolphins. Because you, you look at Sam Darnold's resume to this point in time. He started 32 games in the NFL. Right, He has just over 1,000 career pass attempts. In the 32 games that Sam Donald has started, he's 11-21 as a starting quarterback. So almost twice as many losses as he does wins. That'll happen when you play two years under Adam Gase. Understandably so. Sam Donald has completed less than 60% of his passes. He has five more touchdown passes than he does interceptions. His career quarterback rating as a starting quarterback, according to Pro Football Reference, is 78.3. This is not a quarterback that has experienced a great deal of success in the NFL. Now, you take that and you parlay that with what he's done against the Miami Dolphins and what he's done against the New England Patriots, which is relevant because of the Dolphins' pipeline to New England and their style of defense mirrors so much of what New England does. Sam Donald's in his third season in the NFL, and he's only played the New England Patriots twice, which is pretty significant. But with that said, he's only played the Patriots twice, and he's thrown, tied for third, most interceptions against any team he's played in two games against the New England Patriots. He's thrown four picks. His passer rating in two games against the New England Patriots, 29.4. Kyle, that's great. That's not really pertinent to the Miami Dolphins. But wait, there's more. Sam Darnold has played 
four games against the Miami Dolphins. This will be his fifth contest against Miami. Sam Darnold has thrown the second most pass attempts of his career against the Miami Dolphins. He's thrown 159 against the Bills in five games and 155 in four games against the Dolphins. In those four games, Sam has been sacked 11 times. He's been intercepted eight times. The most of any team in the NFL to pick off Sam Darnold. Four touchdowns to eight interceptions. A 68.6 quarterback rating across four games. And there's no question, this is the worst iteration of the Jets that Sam Darnold's ever played with against the best iteration of the Dolphins' defense that the Dolphins have put on display since 2018. We think this is going to be different? And I'm sure Sam will have some success. At the very least, uh, he has the athleticism to make some plays with his legs. He's not super athletic. He's not a mismatch type. Miami can get home on him. It's not like they're chasing Kyler Murray. But Sam Darnold's presence does change this a little bit because from a game planning perspective, Miami uh, had a lot of success against Joe Flacco because he was a statue in the pocket and they tried to take the top off the defense early on to try and get Miami out of playing aggressive and it didn't work because they didn't hit. New York could feasibly move the pocket a little bit more than what they did with Joe Flacco the first time around. But the track record for the Dolphins against Sam Darnold indicates that there's very little reason to think that the Dolphins cannot have a great deal of success against the Jets' offense. Also, when you consider the coaching dynamics of Brian Flores and Josh Boyer against Adam Gase and Dal Loggins. And, and, and the reason being there, um, the Jets do not have the horses up front to run the football with the same degree of success that New England did in Week 1 and what Denver did in Week 11. A lot of the defensive struggles for the Dolphins to this point have come against power-rushing concepts that test and stretch you to the boundary. Jets cannot do that. They just lost the Michael P. Ryan. They put him on IR. Yes, they have Mekhi Becton, who's a monster. George Fant, questionable for this game. He has not practiced yet this week as of Thursday. It's a starting tackle gone. The Dolphins are getting Christian Wilkins back, who they didn't have last week. I like the way all this is adding up for the Dolphins' defense. Yes, the Jets have Denzel Mims this time around. But the receiver core of Denzel Mims, Jameson Crowder, Chris Herndon, those players really don't put fear in you as an opposing play caller on defense when your corners are Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. Miami owns the peripheral matchup. So even though the quarterback is different, A, quarterbacks had very little success against the Dolphins in four games in his NFL career. And B, Miami has successful matchups awaiting them almost across the board. Whoever is going to line up against Mekhi Becton, you're going to have your hands full. That's just the way it is. Mekhi Becton is a monster. But the rest of this offensive line for the Jets 
especially with Miami bringing back Christian Wilkins, how well Raquan Davis is playing as of late, Zach Sealer playing the way that he's playing. Even with Shaq Lawson kind of questionable, right? We haven't seen Shaq Lawson at practice yet this week with a shoulder injury. Kyle Van Noy gets another week. He was able to play last week. He gets another week of rehab towards his hip. Emmanuel Agba, of course. Andrew Van Ginkle has a big presence. Don't put Andrew Van Ginkle against Mekhi Beckton, though. <laughs> You're giving up like 80 pounds. You're going to get whitewashed. Plenty different this time around as far as Jets offense versus Dolphins defense, but I still very much like the matchups for Miami. So, if I'm Miami, I'm looking to formulate a game plan. It's going to stay pretty true to, to what the identity this team has proven to be as of late. I'm going to play three-man fronts, beget to beget. I am going to know that my linebackers can scrape and flow and keep pace. With it. You're not chasing Melvin Gordon or Phillip Lindsay now. You're facing Frank Gore. You got to worry about Frank Gore getting the edge on you. Frank Gore, Hall of Very Good, right? He's been around forever. He's timeless. He's easy to root for, but the man's like 40 or getting close to it. He doesn't have a lot of juice to the edge. So if the Jets want to try and replicate all those power pulls and all that nonsense that the Broncos did, be our guest. I think the the athleticism of the personnel really matters. I think that plays to the Dolphins' advantage. I'm playing tight man coverage, and I get third and six plus, I'm blitzing. I'm heating Sam Donald up. I'm trying to create those negative plays in short fields and get this team back on track. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Offensively, what does this game plan look like for the Dolphins? Well, I think there's a couple things to note. First and foremost, the Miami Dolphins did receive a bit of good news on Thanksgiving when they announced that offensive lineman Jesse Davis would be returning from the reserve COVID-19 list after being designated there at the beginning of the week. There was no specification from the team on whether or not Davis was a contact tracing placement or a positive test tracing, but the anticipation from reports around the team seemed to indicate Davis would not be available in week 12, indicating that there was a failed test for COVID-19. Barry Jackson reporting yesterday that uh, a source informed with the information stated that Davis turned out to have a false positive. He does not have COVID-19 and therefore is ready to rumble as the Dolphins face the Jets in Week 12. I have not been overly shy on this podcast about expressing um, my disbelief that Jesse Davis is a long-term starting fixture for the Miami Dolphins offensive line. I think when you study uh, week in and week out and you, and you see the execution, uh, whether it's missed calls or missed assignments or if he's playing outside on the edge, I don't think he's overly well-suited to play offensive tackle versus playing inside at guard. Uh, but this does help Miami from the sense that 
He's experienced. The Jets are going to blitz a lot. He's seen a lot of this. And there is the chance the Dolphins do not have Solomon Kinley available to them this weekend as well as he continues to battle a foot injury. So if the Dolphins are not going to have Kinley, then yes, it would help to have Davis and to play him inside at right guard inside of Robert Hunt. So then the Dolphins just have two rookie offensive tackles that are going to have their wins and losses. And thankfully, Bradley Chubb's not on the opposing defense this week around like he was last week to completely terrorize whoever was playing on the offensive tackle position on either side of the offensive line for the Dolphins. But if I am constructing my game plan in Week 12, anticipating the Jets to try to Xerox some of the concepts that the Denver Broncos showed to have success against Miami with last week. What I would first and foremost have ready to cook is some middle-of-the-field, simple concepts, whether they're spot, drive, middle screen, especially the screens for, for third and medium. Uh, Because what the Broncos did that had so much success against Miami was they simply took an extra defender over top of however many receivers were on each side of the field. So if Miami has trips to the right, to the field, the open side of the field, three receivers, Denver took four players out there and played coverage over top of it. And a lot of times they'd lock up the backside. If it was two by two, each side of the field, had three defenders over top. So there was you were minus one as far as defenders versus available targets on either side of the field. And when you do that, if you space the field the way Miami does, what naturally becomes open? If they're going to focus and, and work to the perimeter and create congested reads on either side of the field, the middle of the field naturally becomes what is most open and available. And you saw the Dolphins quarterbacks a couple of times when they looked to climb the pocket and run, They couldn't quite break contain because the Broncos were playing so many games up front with their defensive linemen and blitzers. But there was a lot of room over the middle of the field. And there were very few instances in which I saw the Dolphins kind of come to a a designed look in the middle of the field. So how about a middle screen? You know Greg Williams is going to blitz you. And if they try to attack Tua by effectively bracketing your receivers on both sides... The numbers game in between the hashes is going to be to your advantage. So how about some kind of mid-screen? How about that? Remember that tight end screen that we had so much success with uh, against the Jets the first time from Durham Smythe? We did the Jet, and we faked it one way. We came back, faked it the other way. Durham Smythe fell off the blocking assignment, and boop, right over the middle. Not that exact same play, because you don't want to run the same plays over and over and over again. But... Those kinds of simple concepts that you're trying to get behind the pressure players, and if they're going to play the numbers game to the outside of the field, let's have that as a check available to us the first time we're in third and five plus, and the Jets walk everybody up, and they play numbers game outside to either side of the field. That's one way in which you can hope to, if you hit a couple of those behind the Jets, you can get them out of all of those pressure looks and blitz attempts. Another area, uh, some of Tua Tungvaloa's best throws thus far this season have all come when he has identified one-on-one coverage to the backside of a play. 
one receiver versus one defender. Teams playing one high safety. So you know that whole third of the field, you're going to have a one-on-one. Those seem to be the best opportunities for Tua. Think about some of the, the fade pass to Matt Collins against Arizona. right? The, the throw uh, against the Chargers when he lost the snap and threw it up to Devontae Parker. You know that's a one-on-one opportunity. You know I can trust my guy to just win the catch point. I'm going to put it up for him. Here you go. More of those opportunities and becoming more deliberate in attacking them this week, especially against the Jets secondary, with both Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. Now, Mike is frustrating at times because as a route runner, Mike uh, really doesn't create a lot of vertical urgency from defenders. And Mike has also had some ups and downs this season as far as how he addresses the ball at the catch point. I would feed Devontae Parker this week. Make them double-team him. Make them go two over one to that side of the field. And then you start working the middle of the field if they're going to play the numbers, the, the advantage numbers outside both sides of the field. And then once they get to that and they come to middle of the field closed with a single high free safety, then you can start to work. Okay, they're going to double the guy on the backside by himself. Now we're going to have one-on-ones effectively to the play side every single time. So like kind of that progression of get them out of whatever they're going to try and do if they're going to give you the one-on-ones right away. If they don't give you the one-on-ones with Devontae right away, okay, then we're going, to pe- we're going to skip that layer and go right to the next step in the manual to try and get some momentum going offensively. The last point of emphasis for the Dolphins offensively against the Jets this week. The last time these two teams played, I indicated, hey, it would probably be a real good idea to run the ball behind Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt. Well, this is a good chance to get some beef up front, run after the Jets, etc., etc., etc. Well, I want to amend that statement this time, and instead of saying I want to run behind specific offensive linemen, I want to run away from Quinn and Williams. And when I say run away from Quinn and Williams, that extends beyond just directional if he's lined up on the right, run to the left. If you're going to run the football with success, and if we are going to have success with the pulling concepts, the power and lead concepts this week as the Dolphins, you cannot pull the guard aligned over top of Quinn and Williams. Because Ted Karras is never going to get there on the back block. He's just not. So, if that means we're going to zone away from Quinn and Williams, and we'll run power to Quinn and Williams. Because that way, you know, if, you, if the Jets give you wide alignment outside, this is kind of where offensive line calls and assignments and all this stuff kind of gets hairy. But... You're really looking for a certain look from the Jets, a four-man front from the Jets to have success. So if the Jets go nickel, right, and they've got two interior defensive linemen, and they're both in the B-gaps, and then you've got three, four outside linebackers stood up outside of those guys in wide alignments, that is the look in which you can run the power concepts because you can block down, with the play side guard over top of 
Quinn and Williams and that subsequent offensive tackle, you can double and climb to play side linebacker. Ted Karras can block back on the other interior defensive lineman whose hand is in the dirt in the, the backside B gap. You can pull the backside guard to kick out the end man on the line of scrimmage. You can have the backside offensive tackle turn out that wide alignment. And if you have your tight end, your Durham Smythe, your Adam Shaheen, whoever that is, in that kind of uh, flex F position in which he's one by one outside of the, the backside offensive tackle, he can then almost give you zone look. But when the pulling guard kicks out the man on line scrimmage, he can pull up inside of that and lead through the hole and pick up whoever that first arriving defender it is, whether it's a safety or a corner. That's the look. If the Jets go wide, four-man fronts, run power and run it to Quinn and Williams' side. But otherwise, run zone away from Quinn and Williams. Do not give him unimpeded ground to gain into the line of scrimmage because he will get there and he will chase it down from the backside. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins talking about how to beat the New York Jets. If you missed the Thanksgiving special, we dropped some cool stats regarding the Dolphins and their offensive trends from a personnel perspective. Hashtag run more 12 personnel. Go check that out. It's only 15 minutes. It's brief, but no advertisements. It's Thanksgiving. We talk about some things we're thankful for, just as I'm thankful for each and every one of you listening here today. Fins up. Go Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins all week next week as we react to hopefully another Dolphins dumb. Enjoy your weekends. Let's go Dolphins.